This episode contains adult language and topics that may be disturbing for some listeners. Such topics include suicide, drug use, physical or sexual abuse of a child. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Grant. And I'm Erica. And this is From From Crime Crime to to Crime. Crime. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. If you're just joining us, welcome. We've seen a huge uptick of new downloads lately, so we just want to give a shout out to everybody who's listening. Yeah, hi to all the new people. Hey. Um, We're the old people. (laughs) Hi to to all the new people. Hi to all the old people that were here. We welcome everybody here. It's a very inclusive space. So the more people here, the better. And Grant says stupid shit, like very inclusive space all the time. I do. So if you guys are into that, you'll love it. Yeah, because we're very inclusive. We like to welcome everybody. (laughs) Everyone's welcome. Yep. All right, well, let's get into tonight's episode because we don't want to hold these people up all night long, and this could be a long one. It could be a long one. If we drag it on too much. Yeah, and I don't know this episode at all. Normally, if you're new, we both kind of know what's going on and we go together. So the episode that we're going to do tonight is going to be on Shirley and Russell Derman. Have you ever heard of them? Derman. No, I don't think that I have. Unless, is this in Florida? No. Oh, then yeah, I don't think so. No, we're not brave enough to do a Florida case yet. I'm not brave brave enough to go to Florida, so it makes sense. I know. Way too many alligators. Uh, I was thinking about the people. The alligators are fine. (laughs) It's the people I don't want to run into. (laughs) I thought the alligators were fine, too, because I was like, oh, they're fine. They stay in the swamps and the people stay in the cities. But then I heard that there's like one to three alligators for every human in Florida, which could be a total lie. But I heard that somewhere and I was like, oh, my God, if they unionize, they could like take over. (laughs) Like... Yeah, the alligators union Yikes. is definitely something we need to worry about. Yeah. Well, the problem with it is that it's not just like like sharks are like a valid fear if you're in the ocean. True. So it's like, okay, alligators are a valid fear if you're in a swamp, right? <laughs> but also if you're walking down the street or on a golf course cuz they can get out yeah, they, of the swamps. See, they're amphibious. They'll go anywhere. Yeah. They're just well, they're dinosaurs. They just walk around. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh my god! Did you hear about the eighteen-foot so, boa constrictor or something they just found in Florida? Like, no thanks, guys. No. I don't. I don't, don't want to mess. With, yeah, I don't need to mess with this. So, if you're in Florida, you should probably. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, Molly. Yeah, Molly, get out of there. So, anyway, no, tonight's episode is not in Florida. It happens to be in Georgia. Oh, Florida, Georgia. There's a line there that we hate. We, we do hate that line. <laughs> So anyway, Shirley and Russell German got married December 15th, 1950, and they had four kids, three sons and a daughter. So like a happy family. Russell was a World War II Navy vet. And when he got home from the war, he was a super successful businessman. He worked for like a clock manufacturer and, you know, he did really well. And Shirley was a stay-at-home mom. Sometime in the 80s, they decided to move down to the Atlanta, Georgia area and buy a couple of Hardee's restaurants. They wanted to, like, train their kids to take over managing them and stuff like that so that when Russell was ready to retire, then the kids could take over the restaurants. And for anyone who doesn't know, Hardee's and Carl's Jr. are the same thing, just called different things in different parts of the country. Yeah. 
Well, it wasn't back then. Carl's Jr. started as Carl's like a hot dog cart in Anaheim in like 1941 and then made some drive-in restaurants and then opened Carl's Jr. and they started opening all over California and then in the 80s he started selling franchises and then it expanded east to other states. I'm sorry. Hold on, that's when they added all the the green burrito stuff to the menus and then Hardee's was started by a guy named Wilbur Hardy way later like in the 1960s but kind of a similar story except on the east coast and it was gaining popularity and he came up with the charbroiled thing to be different from McDonald's and other places and it was like super successful and then he partnered with these two guys uh, Rawls and Gardner who were businessmen and they wanted to expand and franchise because they're like hey we like money and this Wilbur Hardy guy was like no thanks and he sold his part of Hardee's to them and they went on to expand Hardee's without the Hardy by like the end of the 60s they were franchising and by the 70s they had over a thousand restaurants and then in the 70s the parent company was bought and sold a bunch of times and ended up being bought by a Canadian tobacco company that then bought Burger Chef, which is an infamous restaurant chain in the true crime community because of some murders that took place at a Burger Chef. And then they turned all the Burger Chefs into Hardee's, so they're killing it with like 3,000 locations. And then in 1997, Carl Karcher Enterprises bought Hardee's, and that's why they seem the same. Time out. Did you know all of this stuff, or is, are this part, is this part of your notes? Because No, it's part of my notes. Oh, thank goodness. I thought you were just rambling on about like the Carl's Jr. chain and the you thought I would just know that well I know I it thought now you ju- <laughs> I ju- yeah I just thought it was information that you knew and you were just going with it no 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 sometimes I go a little overboard on the research and for some reason I went down this rabbit hole because I never understood why Carl's Jr. and Hardy's were the same but different like why are they not just all Carl's Jr.'s I didn't get it and thanks to Erica everyone now we all know why so thank you Erica yeah so getting back to the real story, because that, that's just what he he bought at Hardee's. And then I went down that fucking rabbit hole and I had to word vomit it to you because it's like, I can't know all this. And then you don't. So <laughs> no. I was like, I can't waste four hours of research on why Hardee's and Carl's Jr. are the same. But anyway, Russell was almost completely retired by 1999 and him and Shirley decided to buy their dream home in a gated community on Lake Oconee, which is like an hour-ish west of Atlanta and the community is beautiful. It's on a beautiful golf course with gorgeous homes and Russell plays golf so that's convenient. Worked out. Yeah and it's on the lake so behind their house they have a private dock you know that goes out onto Lake Oconee that they can dock boats or jump off of into the lake or whatever. It's beautiful. So in 2000, one of their sons was actually murdered in a drug deal gone bad. And his killer was arrested and convicted. Like, that case is open, shut, close the book. But this kind of caused them to be like, okay, we're, we need to move out of the city. We need to retire. You know, they were grieving. It was kind of a shitty time for them. I gotta know, by any chance, was a drug deal gone bad, like, through the drive through window? Oh, shit. No. I don't oh, okay. think so. It just had nothing checking. to do with the restaurants. No, All no, right. no. Just che- I mean, that's a good question. Let's be real. Yeah, it was a good question. Only because we know that that small town that one of our friends lives in, they got in trouble for dealing drugs through the Taco Bell drive-thru. That's why they don't have a Taco Bell anymore. Well, in the small town we grew up in, they were dealing drugs through the Burger King drive-thru. Is that why it's Taqueria de Onda? That's why it's Taqueria de Onda now. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yep. <laughs> now they that's deal the cocaine. First... Yeah, okay. probably. But that's the first yeah. thing I thought of. That's why I asked. That's funny. And just for it, it's a Taqueria Hoy now, just so we're all on the same page and our facts it's what? are. It's called Taqueria Hoy, or as I like to call it, Taqueria Hoy. But yeah, oh, they changed the name. I don't know why. It's still super delicious, so it's fine. Okay. 
So Shirley and Russell grieve the loss of their son with their new community. They move to their new house and they make close friends with their neighbors and they socialize with them. They play cards. They they fit into the community like right away. I mean, that makes sense for a gated community like that. You know, these people are all kind of <laughs> they're all kind of cut from the same cloth, you know. So, yeah, it's not surprising they get along so well. Yeah. So by 2014, they'd been there almost 15 years and they loved their home. They loved their communities. They even told their kids when they passed away, they wanted their ashes spread on Lake Oconee behind their house. They loved it there. So May 3rd, 2014 was the Kentucky Derby. The Dermans had plans to go to a derby watch party at one of their neighbor's homes, but they didn't show up and the friends were worried, but obviously thought just something came up. I mean, the couple is in their late 80s. So it's not far-fetched to think that they forgot or they had a medical reason not to come. It really wasn't like them to not call, but the neighbors were like, well, they obviously have something going on. So the next day there was no word from them or anything. And then Monday came around and there was no word from them. So by Tuesday, the friends are really worried. So they decide to go to their house and check up on them. That makes sense. I mean, they're all pretty close-knit and stuff. And they're older. I mean... Yeah. When the friends get to their house on Tuesday, the newspaper from the last few days was stacked up on the driveway. And they were like, "Uh uh-oh, that's not good. That's never a good sign. So they went up to the front door and it was unlocked. So their friends went in and Russell and Shirley weren't home. Everything was totally immaculate in its place. Apparently, Shirley kept a pristine home. People use the term you could have eaten off the floor their home was immaculate but they weren't there so the friends went to the garage probably to check to see if their car was there or if their car was gone and when they got into the garage they found worst case scenario both of the cars were there and between the two cars was Russell's body. Oh, man. On the ground. That's not what you want to walk into into the garage. I mean, that really is worst case scenario. Yes. They didn't try CPR or any life-saving measures because they were 100% sure that he was already gone. So they ran out of the house and called authorities. Was there a smell? Is that how they knew? Was it the smell? No. The reason that they were positive was because he had been decapitated and his head was not anywhere near his body. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you don't need to be a coroner to solve that one. Exactly. So when the police arrived, they figured out that 88-year-old Russell had been decapitated right there in his garage. But since his head isn't there, there's no clear, like, right in your face you know, sign of what killed him. So they search the house and the property, and there is no sign of forced entry, no sign of robbery, no blood, nothing. The house is immaculate. So there's only blood in the garage. Yes, just immediately around Russell's body, and there was even towels, like, shoved up to his body so that none of the blood bled down into the under the door and out the driveway. Oh, man. So it was a very clean, neat... I mean, there was not a sign of a crime scene except Russell's body. So what there was also no sign of, though, was 87-year-old Shirley. Do we know, like, I I don't know. When you sever a head, Mm -hmm. there's no way to do that cleanly, right? Like, unless you have, like, a sword, I guess. Like, it's got to be a pretty messy thing to do. Like, what a... Yeah, well, we'll find out more about that from the autopsy when we get to it. Was it a gator? Oh, man. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, although that is one of the theories, but it's stupid, so we're not even going to go over it. I didn't even put it in there. (laughs) 
Yeah. Which is why I brought up gators at the beginning. I was like, that's why I was doing gator research. I'm like, could this be possible? It's not possible. Okay. So at this point, they launch a manhunt for Shirley because they have searched everywhere. Their property, the lake, everywhere. And there's no sign of Shirley or of Russell's head. So are people thinking right now that the two are together? I think at this point, they're thinking that Shirley had been abducted. When okay. Russell was killed. Like, maybe she was taken for ransom or extortion or... Yeah. Like, they were hoping that she was still alive. So the family puts up signs and billboards. They search the lake all around the house. There's nothing. No sign of her. Then, on the 16th of May, so, like, a couple of weeks after they were last seen, a few fishermen found a body in the lake floating face down in the middle of the lake. And it turned out to be Shirley Dermott. Just floating there, face down. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason that they didn't find her during the initial search was because her body was found about five miles away from her house in the middle of the lake. But the main reason they didn't find her was because her body had been weighted down with 30-pound cinder block bricks, on, like concrete blocks, on her ankles. Tied to her ankles. And as we know, the ankles and the wrists are some of the first joints to go. Yeah. Although there is nothing anywhere that mentions that her joints were disarticulated and they did find the concrete blocks. So the reason for Shirley's body being found, what I've heard, is that she was in the water for so long and that she was probably underwater because of the, the concrete blocks. But she was so bloated that she was about twice her normal size. And then wow. obviously, as we know, when bodies decompose, they fill with gas that right. floats. And so she had so there was so much gas that it floated her body and the cinder blocks and everything with it. Oh, man. Like what? A- yeah. What a scene to come up on. Mm-hmm. So when they take the bodies to the corner and they and they do the autopsies, they ended up showing that Shirley had died of blunt force trauma to the head by what they guess is probably a claw hammer, but obviously not at the house because there was zero blood, except Russell's blood in the garage, and that was neat and tidy. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and Russell's autopsy showed that he was decapitated post-mortem. And the cut was super clean, like very precise. So you were asking about that earlier. The autopsy showed that he was already dead when he was decapitated. And the cut was like the person used an extremely sharp instrument, whether it was a sword or a saw or a knife, like whatever it was, it was super sharp. That's like, I, I don't have words for it. I mean, just to do that with such a sharp instrument like it's got to be something like a sword you know like an axe isn't going to do that super clean like that right it's got to be something kind of bigger a saw's not doing that a saw's gonna you know spread that blood everywhere and and it's probably not going to be a very clean cut i would imagine on it was a clean cut that's that's what they're saying like the cut was super clean but that's what i'm saying with a saw i would think with us with a saw right Probably a handsaw. It's not going to be as very clean cut, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, going through yeah. tissue and ligaments and... I don't know, but we'll get into that in the theories about the no blood and all that kind of stuff. So we'll we'll touch on that again because there's a reason why there possibly isn't. So authorities' first thought was he was killed first before he was decapitated. So maybe he was killed the same way as Shirley with a claw hammer. But they did find gunshot residue on his shirt collar. So they'd think that Russell was shot in the head before he was decapitated. 
but obviously neither one of them were killed in the house because the only blood was the blood in the garage. So they searched relentlessly in the area of the lake her body was found for Russell's head or any other evidence, murder weapons, whatever knife. They never found a thing. Nothing. Do we think that they took the head because there probably was a bullet in it and ballistics could have figured yes. out who the... Yeah. That okay. would be my guess on why they would take the gotcha. head. Yes. Okay. That's just what I was thinking. Yeah. So the FBI is brought in to help look into Shirley and Russell's background to find something sketchy that would cause them to be murdered so brutally. But they were squeaky clean. They had nothing, no sign of any reason that anybody would want them dead. Like the only sketchy thing in their past was their son had a drug problem and was murdered, but it was 15 years before. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah. And his murderer was like in jail and put away. So like it didn't, it didn't really, they, they had nothing in their background that would cause anybody to think that they would want them dead. No embezzlement or, you know, sketchy money deal, like nothing just clean. So the next thing they do is they start to put together a timeline of the last known activity by Russell and Shirley so they can try to figure out, you know, what happened. And Shirley had done the crossword in Friday's paper. So they knew they were alive Friday morning. Mm. And Russell was seen by his neighbors doing his normal walk on Friday. So the police estimate that the killer broke in early Saturday morning because they missed their party Saturday afternoon. So it obviously was before that. And since the mail in the mailbox was from Saturday, Monday, and Tuesday, they're estimating that early Saturday morning is when they broke in. And the only estimation I could see for that on why they don't think it was late Friday night is because Shirley was dressed for the day, but Russell was still in his pajamas. Oh, uh, okay. And their bed wasn't made. Gotcha. Okay. That makes more sense. Shirley kept an immaculate house. Right. So if Russell was still in bed and she got up and got dressed, that would be early morning. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So they live in this really nice gated community. They have cameras on the oh, front gate. Perfect. They record everybody coming in and everybody coming out. So the police checked the camera footage, but of course, the week before the murders, uh, there was a freak thunderstorm or lightning storm or something that knocked out the camera system and they weren't working. Oh my gosh. Although that makes you think that maybe it's somebody who works at the gated community because they would know that. No, apparently even the community didn't know they were, they didn't know that the storm had knocked them out. Oh. I guess they were the type of cameras that just recorded and then if somebody had a problem or somebody had any kind of like question about something, they would go back and look at them and nobody had had any problems. So they hadn't looked at them. So they didn't realize that the storm had knocked the cameras offline. Jeez Louise. They didn't even know. Wow. Okay. So that's kind of a tough break, but the police think that the killer may have not driven into the community from the front gate anyways. The police theorize that the killer may have approached the house from the lake on a boat. But is the entire gated community surrounded, or is the entire lake surrounded by a gated community, or can you access Oh, it? no, it's a huge lake. Yeah, it sounded pretty big, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and it like feeds into another lower lake, and there's a dam. Like it's a you can get to it from other parts. And so, oh, okay. the authorities theorize that the killer approached from the dock, like pulled their boat up to their dock and approached that way because where Shirley's body was found was like in the deepest part of the lake, and it couldn't have floated out there by itself. Yeah. Like she'd been taken and dropped five miles away, but Shirley and Russell don't own a boat. Oh man. So whoever did this had to have access to. A boat. So the cops are thinking it's likely that they approached the crime scene from the boat. 
that would make sense to me so they don't have to go through the guard gate. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. But I mean, makes you wonder, though, were these people a calculated attack or just this one will work and, you know, they just went for it. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, that's the entire case. The authorities what? are super. Yeah, that that's it. Yeah. The authorities are super tight lipped on what they have. There has been mention of a witness seeing a guy on the Dermot's property and mention of a person of interest a few years ago, but they've never released a sketch or anything oh, of man. the guy seen on the property or the person of interest. Nothing. You know I hate when we don't solve these things. I hate I this. These poor elderly people were just brutally murdered and I we know. don't know anything about it. I know. That's why I chose this one because I knew you'd hate it. I do. But- we get to take a real quick trip to Theoryland. Ah, you know I love Theoryland, so you totally redeemed yourself. Yeah, we're already into Theoryland, so. That's true. All right. What do we got? Lay them on me. One of the first theories that comes up is their kids, that they wanted their inheritance and they didn't want to wait until their parents died. But all three kids have taken polygraphs. All three had alibis. What were the alibis? Well, all their kids lived out of the area. They didn't live here. So they were all hours away in Atlanta or other parts of Georgia, like, and at work. And, you know, like, they all passed polygraphs. They all had alibis. But it doesn't make sense for the kids anyway, even besides the alibis. The Dermans weren't worth that much. Like, they were wealthy and they were well off and they were totally comfortable. But they were only worth, like, what I've read, a little over a million. And that's, including their home, split three ways between their kids. Like, that doesn't seem like enough money to murder your parents brutally over. Uh. Yeah, it doesn't to me for sure. Yeah, they were all, I think it's interesting too that they were only worth just over a little bit over a million dollars because yeah, with the kind of lifestyle that we've established that they have and you know where they live, I would have thought they and they own several restaurants. I would have thought they'd be at least set like multimillionaires. No. So the other thing that is a little bit confusing about the kids theory too, just, I don't know, to me doesn't seem right, is that they're not going to get life insurance or their inheritance or anything like that if Shirley's body isn't found. And the body was weighted down in the lake. So whoever put it in there did not want her body to be found. I had no idea you wouldn't get, although I guess it makes sense that you wouldn't get paid out if there's no body, like... How do we know they're dead? Yeah, you have to have them legally declared dead, which takes years if there's no body. Never even crossed my mind. I guess that makes sense. But yeah, it's never even crossed my mind. So it wouldn't make sense for their kids to have done this to try to get their inheritance early because if Shirley's body hadn't been found, they would have had to wait at least like seven to ten years to declare her dead. Yikes. So it's like that it just doesn't make it doesn't add up. Right. So the next theory we touched on it a little bit earlier was that it might be related to the murder of their son back in two thousand. The problem with this theory is that they were estranged from their son. Like, he had a bad drug problem. They kind of did the tough love thing. They didn't have a lot to do with him. His murder was 14 years before, and the killer was still in prison. It's not like, oh, he got released, and then he wanted revenge or something, you know? Yeah, it really doesn't. I mean, I think initially that was kind of where my thought was going. Like, I kind of like that theory. Of course, because what is the likelihood that three members of the same family are all murdered? Like, that's at separate right. time. Like, in two separate instances, that's... It's very unlikely. Yeah, it is. Wow. I don't know. It's hard to imagine that that's related, but then it could be. I don't know. So the next theory that we're going to talk about is extortion and possibly by more than one person, like maybe a couple of people. Like maybe their plan was to abduct Shirley and get money from Russell for Shirley's return. And then like just things went horribly wrong. And in this theory, the killer approached from the boat and then Shirley and Russell were killed on the boat. And then Shirley was tossed in the water. But why bring Russell back? Yeah. 
really and, and decapitate him. Yeah, that makes no sense. That's a lot of work. And there would have to be at least two killers because how are you going to carry, if you kill him on the boat, how are you going to carry him off the dock, up the lawn, into the house, into the garage, never get a drop of blood in the house? I don't think it necessarily has to be two killers. I definitely think a grown man could carry another grown man quite a ways. Absolutely. But not getting a drop of blood in the entire house, that's kind of weird. And having nobody see them at that point too, like, yeah, yeah, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. And the problem that I have with this theory, like, I guess it could have been random, you know, like they were approaching from the water and they were just like, well, this house looks good. But like I said, the couple was well off, but not like some of their neighbors, like the Dermans, you know, they were comfortable, but they were an elderly couple on a fixed income that some of their neighbors had multi-million dollar homes and big boats. And like, you would think if you were trying to like kidnap somebody for money, you would target somebody that had a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, you would. But like you said, I mean, if they were just like, hey, this one looks good, you know, maybe the house yeah. looked really nice and that's kind of all. Or m- maybe they saw Russell and Shirley and they were like, we could overpower an elderly oh, couple. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, maybe they were out early that morning doing who knows what by the lake, you know, mm-hmm. who knows. Or the and day before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about yeah. that. Oh, man. That's. Because another theory is that somebody had a personal grudge, like somebody knew them, but the FBI and local law enforcement can't find anything in their past, like I said, that would give anybody motive to do this. Right. And if it was somebody who knew them super personally, this and this is maybe something that if you're going to kill people, you don't think about. But to me, like say it was one of their kids, you think they would know that they had a Kentucky Derby party to go to on Saturday. Wouldn't you wait till after the party? So that nobody was looking for them for a week or or two weeks or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if it was somebody personal, wouldn't you, like, think that they would be like, oh, I'm going to do that after that? Like, it feels more random than that. I also have to think, though, like, if you're willing to kill people, like, I don't know that you're thinking that rational. Like, when's the best time to do this? I mean, yeah, maybe there are some, the ones that we know about, the Bundys, the Kempers, those kinds of things. But maybe if you're just doing this to do this, you're not thinking that far ahead. Maybe it's just an impulse kind of a thing. Well, and that's kind of what brings us to the last and scariest theory is that it might just be a random serial killer, like just killing for his own sick fantasies at rent. And actually, there is no reason. This timeline wouldn't link up with Israel Keys, would it? No, but this whole scene reeks of Israel Keys vibes. Well, that's kind of what I started, like, when I was starting to kind of put it together. I mean, we know he doesn't mind killing elderly people, so I was like, okay, maybe that pieces together. But this is 2014, right? Right, and Israel Keys committed suicide in 2012. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, okay. Damn. But but if Israel Keys exists, there's other people like him that exist. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. You know, you don't want to think that far ahead. You don't want to think other people like that, but- it's absolutely true, you know? I mean, for all we know, Israel Keys was a role model to the next person doing this. Yeah. Or just if Israel Keys exists and the way he operated and the way he works, there's got to be other people that figured that operating system out too, you know? like Totally. It just, there's more than one Israel Keys. We just haven't caught him. <laughs> They're better than Israel Keys. Yeah. That's crazy to think about too. I've never thought there's a better Israel Keys out there. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Because the, the better one didn't get caught the... The one we know of got caught. Right. Yeah. Wow. I mean, if you want to use the word better, there's better serial killers than all the serial killers we know about. Because the ones we know got caught, so they're not very good at it. (laughs) (laughs) In putting it in that perspective, you're right. Totally, totally right. 
Yeah. So anyway, that's the really, really sad case of Shirley and Russell Derman. And there's no answers. And there's like no evidence. Like they don't have shit. I mean, if they do have any like forensic or physical evidence, they haven't said. They make it sound like they have nothing. Wow. I mean, this is a real like head scratcher. Like it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. I know we say that all the time. But it feels like it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. And this isn't against police. I don't think this is a you know police doing their job incorrectly at all. Which oh no no the the police did everything. Yeah yeah yeah. Hey, so we never got into why it wasn't a messier scene in the garage for a decapitation. You would think there's gonna be blood everywhere, but oh that's right. We were gonna talk about that in the theories. Yeah, one of the theories is that there may have been like some sort of plastic or cloth or tarp or something in the garage on the ground where they did it and then that's what they wrapped the head in and removed it from the scene oh my gosh how thought off and how dexter exactly so the crime scene seems more clean than it might have actually been wow do you know what i mean like it it could have been messier than it like because they had to have taken that somehow what do you think happened to his head like what what do you do with a severed head buried i have no idea I guess. I think it depends why it was taken. If it was a hit, like a hired hit, which kind of smells like that too, then maybe they had to take it for proof. The other thing with the hired hit thing, though, that almost doesn't make sense either, is the two different the two different causes of death and the two different disposal methods of their bodies. That doesn't jive with the hitman either. He would do the same thing for both of them. And much cleaner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that doesn't even really work. So it's like, I don't know. Every, like, scenario that you can go over over in your head, there's a reason why it's probably not very likely that that's it. Except the random serial killer driving by in his boat going, I could probably do that. Like, being in Israel Keys. The more we talk about this, the more I'm pretty positive that's probably what happened is this person was out on a boat cruising around probably early Saturday morning, saw them and just- Friday afternoon. Or Friday afternoon. And then came back Saturday morning. Yeah. And just went- that's like that's an easy one, you know, and just yep. came back. So yeah, I think that seems to make the most yeah. sense to me. Yeah, which is the scariest because unless uh, yeah, they really have is. some kind of physical evidence of some kind of DNA or a fingerprint or something, like this is a problem. That's so bizarre. That's so bizarre that someone would just kill somebody else. I mean, I know we hear about it all the time. We're, we have a true crime podcast. We talk about it, but it's just so bizarre to me that someone would just go, "Hmm, there looks like an easy target." Yeah. Well, because I think part of it is that when we talk about especially solved ones, not that their motives are ever valid for why they killed somebody, but there's a reason Yeah, that they decided that it was valid. Like in this one, it's like we can't see the reason. Like there was no point in killing an 87 and 88-year-old husband and wife. Like this was so pointless. Unless it was for the sheer fact of doing it, which is what it seems. Which is still pointless, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> yeah, like I just, that's what I'm saying. Like the motives are not valid, but there's usually a motive. Like, you know, even on unsolved cases, it's like, oh, okay, she was sexually assaulted or, oh, he was robbed or what, you know what I mean? Like there's usually a reason, even if it's unsolved. This just seems like no robbery, no sexual assault, no, no ransom, n- nothing. It's like, what was the point of this? Just to do it, you know? And that's, yeah. That's like you said, that's the scariest thing of all. Like that's really unsettling that someone's just like, no, I'm just, I did it to do it. Like that's why. Yep. So anyways, that's it for us this week, guys. I mean, I know we could talk about this all night long in the theories because we could go on forever. So yeah, we really could because there's anything and everything is possible in this one. Right. 
So don't forget to change your guys' Amazon smile to DNA Dough Project. And thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who's been sending us messages and tagging us that they've done it. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for changing it to that because it is a very worthwhile cause. And if you guys have the time, please don't forget to rate and subscribe to us as well because it really does help our podcast reach more and more people. Yeah, even if your review just tells us to shut up or something, as long as it's five stars. Yeah, five star shut up is fine with me. (laughs) All right, well, we will see you guys all next week. All right, I love you. Love you too, babe.